This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hi, this is Rebecca Buchanan, host of New Books Network, New Books and Popular Culture. And today I'm here with Mark Goodall, who is the author of the Gathering of the Tribe series. Mark, thanks for being here with me today. No problem. Glad to be here. Could you start by talking a little bit about this series, this Gathering of the Tribe, and and what you're trying to do with it? Yeah, so I'm just say a bit about the kind of mechanics of it. So in 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 2011, I did a, a big book called Gathering of the Tribe, Music and Heavy Conscious Creation. I'm just sitting sitting with it here. <laughs> and um, it was a kind of um, co- compilation of different records that uh, seemed in some way to be uh, addressing questions of e- esoteric questions. Um, I, th- th- there, is a, there is a kind of occult dimension to it but i kind of played that down a bit in in terms of the title and the subtitle i just wanted to say that it's not just about the occult it's about a whole range of what people might call esoteric beliefs or ideas so i was i i sort of picked picked out and compiled a bunch of records that i think fitted into this category and in the book, they're, they're divided up into groups. So you've got a section on folk music, a section on film music, a section on rock music, and music made by, shall we say, well, outsiders, outsider artists, I guess you could say, and, and then even like cult groups that, that produced music, produced records. So it's quite broad. Um, and then when it came to doing a follow-up, which the publishers, Head Press, were quite keen to do, they, they had the idea of releasing them in small editions. As you know, Rebecca, if you've seen them, they're almost the opposite of the first one, these tiny little books uh, that have a specific theme. And the first two have come out, the themes are acid and landscape and there's going to be a whole series of them coming coming forward so yeah these are these are more um focused small volumes uh that i mean i th- maybe it'll work i don't know i mean i quite like having a big collection of things but but i guess at the end of this they could be put together into a collection a bit like the first one so that's the kind of um that the, the that's the theme of the of the of the all the books and the structure of how they're going to come out going forward as as published as print print books right and the print books are 
um, they're short, right? They're uh, the two, the first two are under a hundred pages and they're also sort of, um, a smaller size. So they're and and full of sort of image as well as text. So you have, um, the photographs of the album covers, the front and the back covers, and you've chosen some, um, sort of rare vinyl covers as well. So it's that sort of, there's a whole compilation in there of both the text and the yeah. Yeah, I mean I I've I always quite liked um music books that that had record covers in them. It, it cuz I I suppose the um the the idea of the record cover is an art form in itself, isn't it? I mean it's you know or it was. I, I don't know. I guess it still is cuz vinyl records have kind of had a resurgence, but uh, you know the the rec the experience. I don't know how much you want me to talk about this, but vi- the experience of records and vinyl, listening to vinyl records, it's quite a, a complex one, and and it and it and, it, and it's quite a, <laughs> um, a tactile experience. At least it was if you were a certain age. I think growing up with vinyl as the form of, of music, the, the, the format for listening to music, that, that was all you had. So I always liked the, the, to see the covers because they were, I thought, I always thought they were an important part of the whole experience. You, know, you listen to the music, that's the big thing, but the the visual material that came with it, the cover, the inside cover, the lyrics, if they had a lyric sheet, were all all contributed to the the, the total experience of listening, to, of, of, of experiencing, you know, music in the 20th century so uh, that so i in in the first book the the record covers were very small and black and white <laughs> and i think they kind of got lost i mean there's cost reasons for that obviously but um with this yeah it gave us the opportunity to to present the sleeves properly so that you could really see what they looked like yeah, and I I want to talk about that. I do want to talk about it a little more, only because I love that that they're there and and it's very um, record shape, right? Like record sleeve kind of shape to the book, and you also kind of, and so there is this sort of feel for that. You sort of get that feel, and you have you do talk about them as sort of side one and side two, um, and and how these songs sort of go together or how they connect. Um, in these albums and looking at them as an album as a whole, as opposed to, well, here is sort of an album and here's one song on that album, but how does this album work together? So I do think like you get that feel of the record and, and listening to vinyl and sort of what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, they were put together with a great deal of care and attention, even the, the blatantly commercial ones, you know, because you had these two sides and a gap in between where you had to get up and go over and turn the record over. And um, it's an interesting discussion in the age of streaming, you know, is is because I, I, I play in a band as well and I'm just recording an album now. And we had this discussion the other day about, well, should we sequence the album as if it had two sides, even though people are going to just consume it in a completely different way where they could listen to it on random so it displays tracks in random order they could they could skip through things that they don't like um immediately whereas i think with a vinyl record 
you sort of sat through things. If you thought, oh, I don't really like this one, but never mind. I'll leave it on because I can't be bothered to go and lift the needle and flip it out. So there was a kind of, um, it's just a different way of listening, I think. I, don't, I mean, I'm not saying one's better than the other, but but that, that idea that you created something that was specifically, you knew was going to be listened to in that way, there was going to be this gap, pause, and then the second side would start. So you had to think about the the listener and what they how they were going to what they, they were going to be hit with when you did that, and that's maybe something people don't need to think about anymore because you know you don't have that unless it's coming out on vinyl. Right, and and now I just heard actually the other day that um, vinyl has surpassed CD sales or. Um, for the was it the first time in like 20 years or something like that so yes so vinyl people are paying more attention to vinyl these days right so you have these so the first two the first one is um acid and so i'm hoping we can talk a little bit about both of these first two volumes and so can you talk a little bit about why you wanted to do this first um volume on acid um and kind of how you chose the tr- the albums that you did to talk about yeah i think i mean i if i remember i might i think if i remember correctly the the the, the idea from the start was to do the pub with the from the publishers was to put two out together and then one you know with a gap in it, every so often bring out a single volume so i think that was just to have a bigger impact in the initial launch of the of the new version of gathering of the tribe and i think i think maybe the the landscape one was the one that was going to be the first one but i think my feeling was that the theme of acid and all that entails which we can go into a bit more detail with is is kind of more the the going back to the original territory of of gathering of the tribe with this you know acid is is a, is a theme that kind of encompasses everything in it because it encompasses what was happening in music, the, the revolution that was taking place in the late mid to late 1960s with music in general, with the counterculture, with drugs, with different religion, religious experiences, different spiritual ideas. It seemed to encapsulate all of those things. Um, so I think that's why it's the first one. It's, a, it's kind of the obvious jumping off point from the first book the collection gathering the tribe music and heavy consecration seems to be the like okay we're going to pick this up again and acid seemed a good place to start that's not to say that it's the most interesting subject theme because i don't think it is and actually the i was talking to the publishers the other day and they said they think the landscape is a bit more on topic in a way because people are really interested in in the environment in concepts like psychogeography and hauntology and um folk sort of folk horror films are popular folk music is kind of new variations of that have come out so uh, yeah I, I, it's you can never you don't really know i think when you put you put something out and then you get a sense of what what what's popular and what isn't but that's why the i think that's why the acid one was first because it's the most continue has the it's a continuum from the first collection 
So let's talk about, like, there are, what, 10 albums that you cover in, 10, 11 albums you cover in here. Um, so, or we don't need to talk about every single one, but um, are there a couple that you um, were, when you, you wrote about that you were really drawn to, or ones that you think really highlight sort of what you're talking about, about that sort of um how it sort of brings everything together, brings together what you were interested in. Yeah, I'll just, uh, before that, I'll just say that some somebody asked me recently about how I chose the records that are in these books. And I thought about it for a while. And then I realized that part of me was wanting to be sort of a bit perverse and not lean back in in on the same sorts of records that you if you said to someone what what's an acid rock album you know there'd be a bunch of things that you would probably recognize whether it's Jimi hendrix or you know uh, jefferson airplane or one of the kind of psychedelic bands that everyone knows grateful dead and i was sort of trying to avoid those (laughs) there's a bit of a kind of i don't know what the phrase for it is it's it's a bit iconoclastic i suppose i'm trying to avoid the canon the predictable canon of what what people would talk about and introduce some more unusual records that people maybe don't know about so that is going to be a uh, that's going to be a constant theme all the way through that is probably going to irritate some people because they're going to be looking for their favorite albums and they're not going to find them you know and, and it's also because they're well documented elsewhere you know they've been written about many times already we don't need another discussion about those things i don't think so i've deliberately gone for something some stuff that's more obscure so uh, i mean i was interested in the 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 records about acid that were sort of almost like um kind of educational records that that were sort of designed by they were made by middle-aged men i guess i'm guessing they're men to sort of warn somebody maybe kids or but they're not going to listen to it or their parents i don't know about the dangers of, of lsd and psychedelics so i found a couple of those that i thought were quite interesting not so much musically or or as as a listening experience but just the idea that a record was a good way of <laughs> sort of warning everyone about warning young americans about the dangers of this stuff so so there's things like that in it and and then there's a couple of interest and oh yeah and then there's you know like ken kesey's acid test lp that i mean some of there are some there are some famous examples in here um but um the and some I tried to mix up serious records that had a serious intent in the way they uh, they were made, supposedly under the influence of psychedelic drugs, or they were a serious part of the counterculture that psychedelic drugs were connected to. But there's some cash-ins, like there's a British album called Supreme Psychedelic Underground that's just made by some session guys who just cashing in on the counterculture. It's quite a good album, so, you know, that's that's kind of interesting. There's an Italian psychedelic album. There's an album by Ray Barreto, who's a who was a, a legend of um, of Latin Latin soul, New York scene. He he did an album called Acid, which is not 
particularly psychedelic, but you know, it's it's aware of the, what was going on culturally. And then I suppose the the last one in the book, the, the it's a soundtrack called Anti Climax that was made for a, a, an experimental Mexican film in 1968, which is really interesting. Made by a bunch of artists who were in Mexico who were trying to create a Mexican counterculture. And the record is the soundtrack of the film. Film is interesting, but the music was partly composed by a guy called Jimmy Nickel, who was a member of the Beatles for 10 minutes in 1963, I think it was. Ringo had tonsillitis, so they hired Jimmy Nickel to stand in for a, a few dates, and then he disappeared again into the into the mists of time. But he, so he turned up in Mexico and he made this album. So that was just a chance find, that, but, but there seemed to be so many elements in there. The, the Mexican psychedelic scene a, a sort of short-lived british drummer who was a member of the beatles uh, cinema which i'm really interested in so that that is the lp i guess from that acid volume that i think is is the most interesting i'd say and I I want to just reiterate, because I love that it is, there's such a wide mix, right, that you go from stuff that's happening in sort of 60s counterculture in the United States, but also Europe and in um, South America and kind of all over. So you're seeing this, this wide array of how um, this idea like acid is kind of influenced in and weaving through music. And I think most of them in this text are from the 60s and 70s, sort of weaving during that time. Yeah, there's a kind of, um, there is a sort of golden age of this stuff. I mean, most of the the other, the other comment that, that somebody made was that there's not much new, there aren't many new records in it. I mean, there are, there are some and there, there are going to be some in the, in the volumes that are coming. But it's true that there is a kind of golden age of this between the mid-60s and the early 1970s when this idea of what I called heavy conscious creation was at its peak, you know, when you had this real moment of coming together of, of, of alternative ways of thinking about all sorts of stuff. Uh, technology allowing different forms of culture to be created, pop art, uh, music, changes to music, technology that was changing the way music was made, in, in more albums rather than singles, more experimental stuff. Some really dark things, you know, in the late 60s, the, when the counterculture sort of went sour for a lot of people. That's just, there's just so much in that period that I, not just in music, but in film and other art forms that I think is rich. And, and so, I, yeah, that, that, that you, you're going to find a lot of stuff from that, that time period. But I do look for things that are more contemporary that I think are you know, sort of operating in the same area. So there's some electronic music now that's making, that has references back to those sorts of themes. So, yeah, it's... Um, but I think the mix partly comes as well from avoiding the cliched subjects, you know, the big names that, that have been written about endlessly. Uh, if you If you say, right, I'm not 
going to deal with those if you censor <laughs> the those well-trodden sort of themes then you do it takes you into d- different places alternative places new things you unearth things that people have forgotten about or didn't know about so it and, and also i think there's a connection there with academia that good academics do that don't they 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 find stuff that no one that's been forgotten or neglected or or try a different line on something that is quite well known so that that's what interests me you know doing that rather than just cashing in on another beatles book or something well, in the landscape album, the, or the landscape album, listen to me, the album, the, but the landscape text does, right, it, and it does bring in some more um, modern pieces, modern albums connected to um, some of the albums that are, hap- like, some of the things that are going on in the 60s and 70s, and with, and, and I'd love to talk about the landscape stuff, but I want to say with both of these, especially with the acid, at least for me as a reader, um, having those album covers also really added to the aesthetic of what in what you were kind of talking about before, but what was trying to be done with um, giving listeners an experience, especially if you're using psychedelics or you're understanding or part of that scene and seeing that scene in space. So um, having those covers there also helped to show that too. Yeah. I think that, like I say, that was a big part of it. You know, you, you listened to the music and you stared at the cover for hours. <laughs> I mean, you did that with any sort of music. I mean, people did it with, you know, David Cassidy albums or the Osmonds. I mean, you know, that's what you did. That's what the covers were there for. They were there to engage you while you were listening. And I think that's quite an interesting experience, that audio-visual thing, which you, you don't get with with streaming, with, with phones or, you know, or portable devices. Because even if there is a picture of the record, it's like the size of a stamp or something, postage stamp. So it's just not the same. And I think, I mean, I mean, these are quite small these books. So they, in a way, they're they're still not good enough in terms of giving you the full experience. This kind of seven-inch size for people who don't know, but but it's better than you know. It's it's a it's an improvement on the. So yeah, I'm glad that you uh, you did did look at it while you were sort of reading, and that's the idea. So so the, so we your second um, book in the series is landscape, and so can you talk about kind of how you define landscape as well? Um, because I think that's important to um, thinking about then the track the texts the albums that you chose to put in this volume. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a loose interpretation of landscape. I mean, you think landscape, you think, I guess you think rural landscape or the the pastoral landscape. And there have been, obviously, going back to classical music, there have been lots of people writing music that's supposed to evoke the, the natural world. So there's a bit of that in here. But it's slightly perverse in that... Um, where there is an attempt, where there is an engagement directly with the landscape, it's usually through electronic sound or electronic experimentation. So that, um, I don't know if you know that, the Vancouver soundscape, which was made by um, Murray Schaefer, I think he's called. I should remember, but a Canadian sound artist um, was was kind of... um, 
you know, he was trying to capture the natural world, but through using electronic recording devices, electronic recording devices. So it's a combination of the ancient and the modern. And that carries through to the city hospital of Lossil, again, a Canadian sound artist, um, making a soundscape that connects to a story by Malcolm Lowry, British not modernist writer. So, so there is some of that, but again, from a strange perspective. And then you've got things that I kind of more loosely drew in as landscapes. So there's, there's an LP about a, a motor, a motor racing uh, disaster, an incident where a motor racing driver was killed at Monaco. There's a there's a record that's expressing the that experience using uh, free jazz so so you you know you have got that um strange angle always that that weird dimension to it all or gavin Bryer's sinking of the titanic is quite a famous piece where he he spent a lot of time researching the what what actually happened during the 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 titanic disaster the sinking of the titanic and 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 the idea that he picked up this interesting cliche it's not it's not a cliche i guess it's a kind of legend that the bands that the band that were employed to play on the titanic carried on playing while the ship went down everybody knows that i that story so he tried to make a record of what he thought it would sound like if, if, if you know, if people were playing whilst they got gradually submerged underwater. It's an incredible piece, you know, la- lasting sort of I don't know, forty minutes or something. The duration of what it would take for the ship to to sink. So that's hmm, is that landscape? It's kind of seascape. Um, so it, quite, quite. Uh, loose interpretation of landscape and then as you mentioned a couple of contemporary artists um, the folklore tapes guys who did a, looked at a British folklorist Theo Brown uh, and Virginia Astley who made an album a very sort of pastoral album based on the countryside of rural Oxfordshire so yeah a mixture yeah yeah, and I I appreciated that. I really liked that, that idea of thinking about that landscape is not just the pastoral, right? It's not just like us one with nature, but thinking about how we listen to um, or how <laughs> the concrete and rubble and city and structures and noise make part of our landscape as well, right? And how that kind of that theme throughout. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that, that you're right. That That's definitely something we wanted to capture, you know, not not. Not one or the other, but but uh, a broader sense of what we might mean by landscape within the confines of a small book about a bunch of records. <laughs> um, yeah, it's limited, but it's. I mean, I'm hoping that these these just point people towards things that you know you you explore something you've you've maybe never heard of that comes out of this one of these books, and then that that takes you to to other things and so on and so forth. Yeah, that was one of my questions I had for you. Like, is that like in sort of digging through and find like finding this stuff because it isn't it isn't text that it isn't albums that people have 
or most of them are not albums that people have listened to all the time. So did you, is that sort of, did you go down a rabbit hole? Like how did you come up or how did you sort of come or stumble upon some of these albums to put in here? I mean, some of it is just personal taste. You know, there's a kind of, I mean, I, I feel slightly, it's, it's a bit pompous to say that they're sort of curated, but, or that, or even that the publishers sort of um, liked the idea that this was a guide to sort of occult. If you want to uh, build an occult record collection, you would use these books as a sort of guide. So almost like a you know like an antiques guide. You know, okay, I'll get that and that. So that, that, I think there's something in that. that and, and you know, people call themselves curators these days. It's, it's a bit bit over the top, but there is something of that where it's kind of I'm just trying to follow my instincts that, I, that well this this I think this is interesting, so I think some other people will, you know, and and I think because I've kept away from the 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 well discussed and the well trodden LPs, I think it looks as if I'm just being a bit perverse deliberately, but but I'm not really. It's not about. Ooh, I've got these and you haven't. It's not about that, even though some of them are very hard to find. But you, people can track them down. You know, it's easy, easier than ever to find these things. So it's not trying to, you know, be be better than other people because that would be ridiculous. Because um, and I did some, I've done some playlists for each a playlist for each book, which you might have listened to. It's not easy listening. You know, it's not something you're going to put on while you're, you know having your dinner it's it's hard some of it's quite tough so it's not an a it's not an attempt at trying to say hey you know i've got this fantastic record that that no one else has got it's more about the overall concept and trying to say something about these records by grouping them together that could be interesting for other people in fact, in some ways, I was thinking about this, and I I wondered whether actually music fans are maybe not the right audience for these books. You, you might have a view on that, Rebecca. It's to me, it's people who are a bit broader than just music fans. Maybe people who are into performance or art, uh, artistic practice or film, other mediums, uh, cultural studies cultural history it seems to have a broader appeal in a way than just someone who's into who loves music because i think they might like i say they might be disappointed by it because it hasn't got their favorite things and it hasn't got stuff that's easy to listen to so it's very much a personal project which i just hope some other people find interesting yeah, and I would yes, I would agree with that. Like there was more to this in in reading just, you know, these two volumes that um it it made me really interested in in like like you like one of the piece the landscape and I have not listened to it yet because I <laughs> I will find a time to but um it, I was very interested in the piece about like the motorcycle disaster, right? Or how um people are sort of playing and thinking about 
um, sounds and and how we compile this together, and even um, the the ones on acid, the acid ones, right? Um, sort of what kind of order do we put these in? How do we think about this? And how does it kind of fit into what else is going on in society? What else is going on? I think um, even though it is a more popular one, I liked how you talked about um, Pink Floyd's Live at the Pompeii, right? And how that was. Um, their interaction with this space as much about it, you know, so it, the music is there, but it's also about how we're interacting or how they're interacting with the space around them. And I get that feel throughout these that I think is interesting. Yeah. I think there's quite a lot of thought goes into the selection process so that, okay, Pink Floyd, you know, we, you know, where do you start, you know, you could start anywhere. So, but the the two Pink Floyd albums, or maybe maybe there's more. I'm not sure that <laughs> they stitched to crop up quite a bit. They're definitely in another. Maybe it's one of the ones to come. Um, there there are already. So there's the piece about the Pompeii live album. There's also one about their soundtrack, the Valley Obscured by Clouds, which is discussed in the first book, the Gallery Tribe book. So it's it's looking for the Pink Floyd music that is that is specifically seems to be interested or engaged with these esoteric ideas or, or with with a, a with a, a sense of creating music that's supposed to transcend just entertainment in some way, which some of their records are more entertaining, you know, more commercial. So so I think whoever's writing, I write most of these pieces, but occasionally there are other people brought in um that that's the focus it's to find the the piece of music the record that is searching for something beyond the normal that's the criteria so i think that's why you get what you do yeah and i think it does really give um and a feel for or or sort of sort of shows what the space and time, right? What was going on, at least when that album was produced, when it was coming out, sort of how it fits into the larger landscape of the time or the sort of social discussions of the time. And I think um, that 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 comes through with the pieces when you talk about it. Yeah, and I think that that's, again, going back to that golden sort of age if you like golden age make it sounds like it's wonderful not not necessarily were lots of uh, downers to it as well but i think that that was the, the the i think artists of all types were encouraged to to experiment as far as they could whether it was in you know, so you pick an art form, and 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 in that period of the mid sixties to the early seventies, almost every art form was was driving to the edge and and going over it in a way. And I, I mean, you probably need to talk to a proper cultural historian to, to find an explanation as to why that exactly why that was the case. But but that's. I, I don't kind of see that being replicated. I don't think that's been replicated since, maybe for good reason, <laughs> because there were so many casualties. But it's it was. I mean, if you're if you're into you know if you if you're trained as an artist like I was, and so you're trained to 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 come up with new ideas all the time. It's all about 
it's all about ideas, you know, then you, you're always looking for something new and different. You know, that's your kind of currency. And I think at that particular moment, that is what was happening across the board, you know, this explosion of, of experimentation across everything. And, and so you, the music, that's why there's so much of the music in these books is from that period, you know, because there's just so much of it. And then I think it kind of closed down again. Then you had some minor explosions with things like punk, where it, it, you know, a whole new set of ideas exploded out of that, that were interesting, but it's, it's not something that happens all the time. It's comes in waves, I think. So you have these first two books, right? Um, Acid and Landscape, these first two volumes. Can you, uh, I'll ask you kind of my final question since we've been talking a while. Can you um, talk about like what is coming next or, you know, what you're working on next? Is that something you can share with us right now? Yeah, I I know what the next two are going to be. Well, the next three are going to be okay. So the, so the next one, which is just going to be printed or is being printed as we speak is the theme is ritual. So that's records that are trying to recreate some kind of ritual in some way or are based on some kind of ritual or there are a record of some ritual like a documentary record of of the of some aspect of what we might call that or or again you know a commercialized attempt at ritual so there's a just off the top of my head, I can I know there's a, a soundtrack for a film that's called Black Magic Rights that was an Italian exploitation film about where ritual is, there's a ritual in it, you know, there's a sadistic kind of ritual in it, and that's about it. But the soundtrack is amazing. So um, things like that, a range again of commercial, serious, silly, interesting. Um, then the one after that, the theme is sex. And again, I'm, you know, avoiding the kind of... <laughs> what you the things you were you know there's not a lot about things like disco or soul music even the the, the forms of music that you associate with sexuality but records that uh challenge or re re re-explore or subvert the idea of sexuality there's going to be quite an interesting and then some things again that just cash-ins exploitation porn soundtracks or just things that are making making money out of it and then the last that is the theme is environment so a load of records going back to the 60s again that have dealt with the environment it's going to be quite interesting that because it's when you go back and look at early records about the environment some folk music some again experimental records it's quite interesting that those debates are now still topical. So, so either either we haven't properly dealt with the, the environment, which is what I'm guessing is the case. So it's still a problem, still an issue. Uh, so, you know, there's going to be this backwards and forwards again. There'll be some new stuff that's exploring environment and then there's some you know, more material from that golden age that's has an environmental bent. So I think that's as far as it got up to so far. 
And there's there's other themes, but I don't know where we are with those yet. If you can think of one, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been great um, talking with you, Mark. Mark Goodall, who has the author of Gathering of the Tribe, um, which is the series that is the companion to the occult music on vinyl. Um, thanks for talking with me about acid and landscape on new books and popular culture. Pleasure. Thank you.